Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone. Hi, I'm Gary Bolton, uh, the CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association. I want to welcome you to Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 31st episode of 2021. Yesterday was a historic day on the Hill as the Senate passed the infrastructure bill with a vote of 69 to 30, which included all 50 Democrats and 19 Republicans, including Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell voting in the affirmative. The bill includes $65 billion for broadband infrastructure, which breaks down as follows. We have $42.5 billion for broadband, another little over $14 billion for the emergency broadband benefit, um, a little less than $3 billion for digital equity, $2 billion for tribal, $2 billion for uh, RUS, uh, another billion for the subsidized deployment of middle mile, and $600 million for private activity bonds. Uh, so the bill now goes to stage, which could be a little complicated, but the House is in recess until September 20th, and it's not yet clear if the Speaker will call back the House for a vote, um, early vote. But more details on the broadband infrastructure bill and when we'll start seeing these funds flowing, uh, please join us for a special broadband infrastructure bill webinar on Thursday, August 19th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Speaking of more broadband coming, today's Fiber for Breakfast session is with Dr. Jennifer Kent of Parks and Associates, who has joined us today to discuss the rise of standalone broadband and the new home service bundle. And again, good morning and welcome everyone. I'm Gary Bolton, President and CEO of the Fiber Broadband Association. You know, last week we met with my good friend, Ken Coe from the Broadband Forum, discussed 25 gig and 50 gig pond and why service providers need to be planning for their future network today. Our, our session this morning was with Dr. Jennifer Kent of Parks and Associates and she's gonna share her latest research on the new home service bundle. Dr. Jennifer Kent manages the research department and Parks Associates process for producing high quality, relevant and meaningful research. Jennifer also leads and advises on syndicated and custom research projects across all connected consumer verticals and guides questionnaire development for Parks Associates extensive consumer analytics survey program. Jennifer is a certified focus group moderator uh, with training from the Burke Institute. She earned her PhD in religion, politics, and society, which is a good thing to have these days, I guess, and an MA in church state uh, studies from the Baylor University. She earned her BA in politics from the Catholic University of America in Washington, DC. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you, Gary, and thanks to the Fiber Broadband Association for the opportunity to join Fiber for Breakfast and that uh, kind bio that went way back. <laughs> so I appreciate the introduction. Great. And uh, for our audience, please type in the questions that go. We'll have Q&A at the conclusion of the presentation. So with that, over to Jennifer. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Gary. And as he mentioned, um, I'm speaking today about the rise of this of standalone broadband and what that means really for bundling for ISPs. Um, you know, Gary did a great job introducing Parks Associates uh, with the next slide. I just wanted to call out that, you know, Parks has been in business for 35 years. We really focus on emerging consumer tech, 
including um, the homes, uh, the services to the home that really enable emerging consumer and connected technologies, of course, of course including broadband. And we survey 10,000 broadband households every quarter. And some of the, the data that I'll be talking about today comes from that survey program, and that's all US data. So uh, next slide, please. Today, I want to focus on the evolution of the home services marketplace, where we see the types of bundles that have formed the core of the service provider offering declining, um, and more and more consumers taking internet without any other service from their service provider. But the service provider, the service bundle really performs some pretty critical business roles or functions for service providers. So there's a need for an opportunity for you know, new types of value-added services and service bundles that can form new offering types. Uh, what do I mean by the traditional bundle? I'm talking really about voice, home phone, traditional pay TV service that relies on a set-top box for delivery over a managed network, high-speed fixed broadband service to the home, and uh, some providers are able to offer mobile services as well, of course, to kind of route out a, a quad play. <clears throat> now, of the first of these four, you know, a first big shakeup occurred years ago when home phone service took a dive as mobile service uh, rose in adoption. Um, today, we see 97% of all broadband households um, do have mobile service and just 45% report having home phone service today. Um, so that was, you know, a, a transition that happened years ago. But the biggest shakeup we're seeing today relates to the decline in traditional pay TV service as consumers increasingly opt for OTT or online streaming video services instead. As of Q1 of this year, 82% of broadband households have at least one OTT video service. So Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime Video, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, HBO Go, the list goes on and on, right? Uh, while only, you can see here, 58% retain a traditional pay TV service today, and back in about 2017, those figures were, were kind of switched, and we've really seen that adoption flip-flop. More people stream video than actually have traditional pay TV. So on the next slide, you can see what impact that's had um, on this shift in the traditional home service bundles. So again, as of Q1 of this year, 40% of broadband households report that the only service that they receive from their ISP is internet. Uh, now they may have some of the other services, but they're not receiving them as part of a bundle. So they're getting standalone, what we call standalone internet from uh, their service provider, that's it. And this is up from 34% in 2017, and at the same time, uptake of the traditional double and triple play service bundles have declined. So this year, just 14% of broadband households report having a traditional pay TV service bundle um, and you know, with broadband service from the same provider this year. And then 12% report having that triple play where they get TV and phone and internet all bundled together. So how have services, service providers responded to this shift in home services and drop in, in TV service uptake? Well, uh, certainly they've raised prices on broadband uh, to make up some of that revenue. Here you can see that as bundles have become less common, standalone broadband service ARPU has increased significantly from an average of $39 per broadband household in 2011 to an average of $64 
in 2021, which is a 64% growth rate across that decade and about 20% growth rate in the past five years. And if you compare that with pricing for other services that consumers have, have you know, received standalone um, over that same time period, I, looked, I went back and looked at home phone and mobile phone service that are just received from a single provider. And ARPUs remain remarkably stable over that time period with the 2021 average you know, spending basically equating what people were paying back in, in 2011, a decade prior. So providers have recognized the growth in standalone broadband and its absolute necessity to today's consumers um, and have increased pricing successfully over this time period. Yet, if you think big picture, that critical role that, that pay TV has traditionally pay, played for ISPs is certainly greater than just the additional revenue, specifically line items for video. Um, next slide. So a, a bundle of services simply gives an ISP more levers to pull to accomplish all sorts of tasks, including generating interest in their services and acquiring subscribers, making their services sticky to retain subscribers once they're on board, uh, differentiating from the competition or, or differentiating their own tiers of service. So what's going to perform these functions, right? For that 40% of consumers who only get broadband from their ISPs, you know, what makes that service sticky? Uh, there's the core elements of performance, of course, right? Performance, speed, pricing, uh, but there are other types of services and features that consumers want that can play these same roles or, or functions. Uh, so first, let's stay focused on video. So declining traditional pay TV adoption does not mean consumers don't want video. In fact, the opposite is true, particularly in the pandemic, we've seen hours spent watching video per household go, go through the roof, right? Uh, many consumers just no longer see the value in paying the prices they were paying for a bundle of linear channels through a pay TV service provider over a managed network with a set-top box, right? And like in that exact way. Um, and consumers do report that they are paying attention to the OTT services that may be offered by or accessible through their ISPs. So 40% of consumers who recently switched internet providers, right? So these are our switchers that we, we surveyed, reported that, among other factors, 40% um, said that OTT video services bundled with their new internet subscription was a significant factor in selecting their new provider. Now, different ISPs are doing this in different ways. Suddenlink and Comcast, for instance, uh, both offer broadband subscribers additional video streaming service options. A sudden link, which is owned by Altice, offers broadband subscribers free access to Curiosity Stream, which is a streaming service that specializes in sort of high quality documentaries and nonfiction video. It also offers subscribers free access to Cheddar, uh, which it purchased um, and acquired in, in 2019. And Cheddar is a service that focuses really on news, you know, business, tech, culture, headline news. Um, now, because Altice acquired Cheddar, it certainly has an interest in pushing new viewers to that startup news service. But Cheddar also gives Altice something unique to offer its subscribers that they wouldn't get with competitors. Um, and just a, a personal anecdote here, the integration's really smooth. So I happen to live in a, in a Suddenlink area, I'm a Suddenlink customer, 
And um, I was on Curiosity Stream's website for a totally different reason. And it automatically recognized that I was a sudden like a subscriber. And the first on the landing page, first thing came up, it said, you're a sudden link subscriber, you get Curiosity Stream for free, sign up now. And I was like, why haven't I done this? Okay, it was so easy. They got me on board like that. Comcast is taking a similar approach. The provider now offers its broadband only Xfinity customers a streaming box to access Peacock Premium, which includes something like 20,000 hours of movies and TV shows. Um, and that would otherwise cost $4.99 per month. Um, like with Altice, Suddenlink, uh, Altice or Suddenlink, the Peacock streaming service Comcast is offering and of course owns. So again, it has an interest in pushing viewers to the new Peacock service. Um, and it's an easy way to make Xfinity internet that much stickier. Um, but this Flexbox also does offer third party streaming apps at, as well from services such as Pluto and Zumo and Tubi TV and the ability to search for content across these apps all in one place. So not only can OTT services attract customers from competitors, they can also increase the stickiness of services to current subscribers. So whereas before we were asking uh, consumers who had switched their provider why they did that and what was impactful, this is now a question asked of households who said they were likely in the next six or 12 months um, to switch broadband providers. And what would make them stay? So the top answer is a bump in speed, but you can also see that two thirds or more said some sort of video streaming offering would keep them on board, whether that be an actual OTD service subscription or a device like a streaming box or stick to help them stream third-party services. Now, the same chart points to another compelling service um, that is testing really well among consumers, and that is better Wi-Fi and home networking solutions. So three quarters, it's the second line here, of those likely to switch their providers said they would stay if their Wi-Fi performed better, if they are essentially given a solution um, to help with their Wi-Fi networking performance. You know, products, apps, and services that help consumers better manage their home network and the devices connected to their network are gaming, gaining stream among some providers. Uh, AT&T, for instance, offers its Smart Home Manager as a free app for subscribers, and that offers recommendations, insights, actions specifically for that household. Uh, like finding weak Wi-Fi hotspots in the home. It's a place that subscribers can change their network name and password, create guest Wi-Fi for visitors, uh, share the network name and password with visitors. They can also see, users can see all the connected devices on the home network, see how much data they are using, block access uh, to a certain device and, and set user profiles with parental controls. and. We've seen Suddenlink and Comcast are offering similar services, uh, either branded as something like smart Wi-Fi or just as core new features of their, their internet, you know, their provider service app. But the uh, opportunities to build new service bundles extends even further. At Park Associates, we've tested interest in all sorts of services. So identity theft protection services, home security monitoring and home controls. Uh, health monitoring, especially fall detection for older consumers, Wi-Fi uh, optimization, as I mentioned, data security, device protection, parental controls, even um, 
online storage and premium technical support services. And our data shows that 78% of all broadband subscribers are interested in at least one of these, right? They're, they're interested in at least one service that really isn't necessarily a typical core service that they get from their ISP. Um, the ones that, that consistently rise to the top are video streaming services, right? And data security services for the network and the devices attached to the network. And that's a play you know, that fits pretty nicely with ISP's role as the network manager and as oftentimes the router provider. Now, uh, before I wrap up here, I wanted to call out that different ISPs are experimenting with different ways of offering these services. So it's not just a separate line item with add-on fees, um, like a, a traditional bundle. Sometimes, you know, the value of the service, the, the ROI and, and investing in these services is justified simply in ability to acquire or retain subscribers, right? Um, there's also an opportunity to allow these types of services or, or features to drive customers up a service tier by bundling in services at different tiers of service. So uh, we found that in a separate line of questioning, we asked how likely consumers are to upgrade to a one gig plan if they weren't there already. And those customers who told us that they are, are most likely, that they are likely to upgrade to a one gig plan are also the customers most likely to find one of these tested value added services highly interesting. So again, these can be levers in the ISP toolkit to identify those subscribers who could benefit from a speed bump and push them up to the next tier with an attractive new type of bundle you know, that makes that jump even more attractive. So in summary, you know, I think a lot of this is, is thinking about how you're future-proofing your offering to an extent, right? So making sure that ISPs are really looking beyond the traditional bundle while, you know, there are plenty of core subscribers who are still interested in that. Um, we don't think that this, uh, you know, trend is going to change, that people are, are preferring uh, online video services um, and increasingly taking standalone broadband from the traditional bundle perspective, right? So look beyond that traditional bundle to attract your team and, and differentiate your services. Um, but consumers still want video. So feed consumers demand for video via OTT offerings. There are, we track over 400 online video services available in the United States alone. Um, so many of those services are, are smaller services, niche services, but services that are very interested in partnering and bundling. And there's a lot of opportunities for some win-win partnerships to have a new type of bundle. Um, building on core function with advanced network features. So what I mean by that is, you know, the, the primary role and service of the ISP, of course, is to connect homes um, and home network uh, optimization, Wi-Fi optimization, parental controls even, security and device security and allowing consumers to see all of the devices that are connected to their home network is again a very um, uh, nice fit for ISPs um, and, and an easy place that consumers already expect you to be offering services. And then finally, if you're looking to, to drive ARPU and, and loyalty, um, really focus on those top subscribers or those who are near to the top of your tier plans because they're the ones who are most interested in these services.
And with that, Gary, I'd welcome any questions um, or discussion that, that you'd love to dive into here. Well, Jennifer, um, you know, this is awesome. I, you can always note the quality of the speaker when you have all the really high quality questions, and we have a lot of really high quality questions. Um, but before we get to those, um, you know, so I have AT&T Fiber, and uh, every year I have on my little calendar when I have to go in and negotiate to get the promo again. And, you know, I would say, I'll be happy, I'll stay if you just give me, can extend my promo another year. And they never can do that because they have to go and look and, and they'll, they came back and said, oh, if you add home phone, we can drop your promo 20 bucks, which I would have been had to, happy to pay what I was paying, but instead they'll give me $20 cheaper with adding a phone, which I never add, I mean, I add the service, but I never add the actual device. But I mean, mm -hmm. are you seeing that, that um, people that have home phone aren't actually even using it? Yeah, so I'd say that we haven't asked that specific question in a while, but I can definitely uh, validate that experience. We do hear that from consumers as well and from providers that it's a it's a way to engage people in a service line, but there's very little uptake. And I personally, same exact situation. Um, I recently unbundled myself, but before that I was, I had home phone service, did not have an actual home phone. It's just the cheapest way to get the bundle. So that 45% that I mentioned that, you know, home phone had, had declined to 45%, that 45% of households are not voice users. They just have that bundle. You know, I was meeting with uh, Comcast a few years ago and I didn't realize they'd become the number one lifeline phone um, company in the, in the country, you know, which you think of traditional telcos as having more lifelines, but I assume that's because of the way they bundled it into their service. So speaking of Comcast, so the first question is, how impactful do you think Comcast's cell phone service will be in terms of preventing customers from choosing another ISP without a wireless service? Yeah, I mean, I do think that Comcast has been pretty aggressive in offering all sorts of different types of services. They're probably one of the lead providers in, if you think about like a diversity of portfolio. So yes, they've extended into mobile. Um, and I do think that that's impactful. In general, in cons for consumers, when you have set up a billing relationship, right? Um, and it, it's very hard to leave unless you're very uh, unhappy with the service or there's usually a life change or a move. Um, and so I, I really do think that that's impactful. Um, you know, Comcast also offers home security. So there are not many um, cable and, and ISPs that have gotten into the professional home security market. Cox is another one that, that does with their home life program. They've also even gotten into DIY security where consumers self-install their, uh, their systems. And then Comcast offers a pretty affordable professional monitoring service on top of the system that the uh, household you know, acquired and, and installed themselves, which is a huge trend in home security right now. So um, Comcast has its uh, fingers kind of in a whole lot of different plays um, and, and certainly doing uh, what they can to offer uh, consumers a lot of choice and reason to stay with them. I mean, what is the maximum ARPU we could get to? I mean, if I look at my bill with the cell phone, um, it's like a car payment or a mortgage payment. I mean, how much higher can ARPU be? You know, we haven't seen a ceiling yet. So we keep, even internally, the analysts are like, there's gonna be subscription fatigue, right? There's no way that, that consumers can possibly have one more subscription and we haven't hit it yet. So um, I answer to, to what the, the number is. Um, 
certainly the more people you have in your household, the bigger number, you know, that dollar goes up because everybody has their own line of service, right? Um, what's interesting is uh, people, one of the main drivers originally for people cutting the cord for pay TV was, again, they didn't see this the, the value proposition anymore. They felt like they were paying too much for channels they don't want and they can cut and save a lot of money by going with these online services. But our, our, our data now shows that most online subscribers have four or more services now. Typically one or two, what we call foundational services. So Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime Video, and then their service stacking and essentially recreating the traditional bundle, Not maybe not necessarily serving, saving any money, but it's the content that they want in the way that they want it. So how much of the ARPU growth is driven by buying up the rate card to faster speeds? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I don't necessarily have a great way of, of breaking that out. Um, so I do think that, you know, increased speeds certainly, you know, obviously has a role. And if we looked at that same exact ARPU chart and uh, broke it across, you know, what tier of speed do you get? Certainly those with higher tiers are, are paying higher amounts. Um, but while the rest of the, uh, you know, home service lines are, are kind of staying again, um, stable, right? The uh, broadband providers are have been able to increase, you know, that, that broadband price. Um, it's also just that it's become an absolute necessity, right? Uh, you can get, a, you have other options for pay TV, uh, for, for video services, and, and you can get that type of service from, you know, other, other sorts of options today. Um, I don't think that the mobile broadband experience yet competes with the fixed broadband service. And so, you know, people need that broadband in order to work and to go to school, right? Um, and, and just conduct their, their everyday lives. So providers can increase the, the rates. But going back to your chart where you showed that uh, the ARPU for standalone broadband has gone up $25, that's related to speed? So uh, again, I would say that, um, that's not necessary. I wouldn't uh, suggest that's definitely um, correlated with speed, but if we did across them, yes, for sure, higher speed tiers, you know, do pay more than lower speed tiers. This is averaged across all, right? Um, but there's not only one factor that's going to drive that, that increase. What I'm saying is that um, I do think the fact that um, just the fact that broadband is, again, this kind of necessary almost utility um, providers are able to increase costs without necessarily increasing speed, though they have over this time period too. Well, where does the OTT bundle rank in with other factors? So if we're talking about, um, you know, appeal of the different value, value added services that we tested, um, it was number two. So uh, as far as, you know, of all these different services, I kind of had a grid chart there. Um, showing what we tested. Number one was uh, data security, cybersecurity services from the ISP. Number two is online video services. So is data security, um, is that just overall fear of you know, what's happening or is that driven more by work from home and having to, you know, now you're not only protecting your, whatever you're doing at home, but also your, what you're doing at work? Yeah, I think that there are a couple of different drivers. So we saw that interest even before the pandemic. Um, I do think that the pandemic accelerates some of those, those fears, right? Um, and especially sensitivity for those who are working at home and you might have more sensitive 
uh, data and your employer might be more concerned about this, right? And raising awareness about, about your, the security of your network. But the interest of these services predates the, the pandemic actually as well. So um, I think it actually has more to do with the fact that we have seen the number of connected devices in the household grow incredibly over the past five, six years. More people have more connected devices in the household. Um, and the ability to, for instance, have a separate security suite for each of these devices. How secure are they? You see news services about uh, IoT devices being hacked all the time. Um, and if you can you know, protect all of your devices right at that router point, um, it, it gives you a nice sort of peace of mind. And it's a type of solution that I think makes sense to consumers. So uh, there's a ton of really good questions. Um, I'm just going to ask one last one. And sure. maybe Jennifer, you could follow up with some of these because they're great questions. But this uh, person at, works for a nonprofit that provides assistance for low-income um, consumers to help them mm -hmm. pay for their internet service. And more than once, she's heard from clients that they didn't even know if they had voice service. Are the sales tactics getting more advanced as the take rates go down for the bundles? That's interesting. So um, I don't know about if the sales tactics are getting advanced. Um, I think that in general, we still see, um, unfortunately, a lot of uh, customer service that is a, uh, focused more on retention than enabling subscribers to fully use their services to the best of their ability, which, you know, a happy subscriber is a subscriber that doesn't leave, right? But um, I, I would say that we, we really don't see a lot of investment in in, in the ways that we do in other types of services um, where consumers, um, where service providers want the consumers to be making the, the most of their package, there's unfortunately a um, viewpoint and, and probably actually is held out in the data, and we see this on the security, professional residential security side as well, that you know, if a ser service provider contacts you about a service you're not using, you may remember that you have that service and then cancel it. So there's actually an incentive for them not to not to contact you and remind you that you have the service you never use, right? They're just going to let it lie, and it's up to you. So I honestly have not seen a lot of evidence that providers are getting more advanced, if you will, in um, engaging their their subscribers and making the the most of all the services that they have access to. Yeah, I had um, that my my kids had um, roadside assistance on their cell phone when we have AAA, and so. It's like paying for a service you're never going to use. But Jennifer, this has been great. Uh, your wealth of knowledge. I really appreciate you sharing your uh, research and your insights with our audience. Next week, uh, I'm going to have Wall Street back again. Uh, we're going to be talking about the recent uh, CenturyLink or Lumen uh, and Apollo, you know, the um, acquisition of a lot of uh, copper lines. It's gonna, who's got the better deal with Jonathan Chaplin, the managing partner at New Street Research. Uh, so Jonathan's going to provide that Wall Street perspective and play, explain why he, he views this deal and will yield significant fiber investments and uh, how you, you know, these companies are you know, really turning these copper assets into uh, very accretive fiber assets. So you're not going to want to miss that. So, and also, please join our webinar next Thursday to talk about the broadband infrastructure bill. We'll provide out the details of that soon. So with that, um, you know, I uh, look forward to seeing everybody next Wednesday. Thanks again, Jennifer, and thanks everybody for joining us today. Thanks, Gary.